0: Thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. Acts chapter number 15, verse. we're going to read here verse 16, but before we read that, Kinda of want to give you a little background of what um, we're about to read. Um, Paul the apostle and Barnabas, they were apostles who traveled the globe preaching the G- preaching of Jesus and His kingdom, and encouraging the churches. And Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem and spoke at at the council there in in Acts chapter fifteen. And the council was not a blown away they weren't blown away by their message they weren't blown away by how well they could preach the bible said they were blown away by the signs and the wonders um, that accompanied them and they they were not blown away just at the signs and miracles but they were blown away that god was using paul and barnabas in the world to reach gentiles uh people who weren't jew jewish uh through miracles and through the supernatural and they were questioning them, and James stood up, and he says something so profound. He actually quotes uh, the prophet Amos, and I want you to hear what he says to this Jewish council. Remember, you have to understand, a lot of us, I know there may be some new converts in here, uh, and, and I'm going to do my very best to explain Old Testament to get into New Testament. But let's, let's see what James stood up and said in verse 16. Um, the words of the prophet are in agreement with this, and it is written. Here's what he said. It is written. Verse 16, after this, I will return, and I will rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins. I will rebuild, and I will restore it. Now, this is new covenant. Jesus had already come. He died on the cross, and the the Bible said that the curtain was ripped in two. So now we have access, according to Hebrews, to approach God with boldness. You know, that's that's the Bible verse there. So now he's saying God's going to repair the tent. I want to teach this in such a way this morning that you can see that the tent or the tabernacle he's talking about is not a building, but it's you. Because the tent is what housed the glory of God, and you and I are called to house the presence of the master, okay? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help me today to give your precious people a revelation of who you are. Lord, I pray today that when we leave, we won't just say that was a good church service or that was a great message that our pastor preached on Father's Day. God, I I pray that people will leave here saying the presence of God changed my life. God, I'm your servant. I'm your vessel. I ask you to help me today, Holy Spirit, as I teach. I have words on paper, but I pray that you change those. However you see fit today. In that you minister hope and healing to someone. In the name of Jesus, and the people said amen. I, I, love, I love church. Anybody else in the room? I, but I, let me rephrase it. I love Holy Ghost Church. Three of you, praise God. I mean, I don't want to go to a church where you can't feel nothing, where you can't sense nothing, and you'd rather sleep as opposed to pay attention. I want to go to a church where the presence of God is. Anyone else in the room? There's this guy. I love studying the church. I love studying church history. I love studying the presence of God. And there's this guy in the early 1800s by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you in the room have heard of this incredible giant in the faith? Now, Smith Wigglesworth was the preacher of preachers, and he, Smith Wigglesworth, was known to raise people from the dead. It's documented in history. Actually, there was one guy. He went and attended his funeral, walked up to the funeral, walked up to the funeral director. And said, I need to pray for this man. He said, this man's dead, but you need to pray for. He grabbed him by his suit, pulled him up out of that casket, threw him up against the wall, and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to live. And that man came back to life and walked out of the funeral parlor. Smith Wigglesworth was a carrier of the glory and the presence of God. He was known to be a revivalist. He would go from town to town to town and see people radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and lots of healings would take place in his meeting. And he was evangelizing in the early 1900s, and he stopped through this town to hold a series of meetings. And this family that was in the town that was connected to the church that hosted him said, you can come stay at our house. The wife was a believer in Christ Jesus, but the husband was not saved. He didn't know the Lord. And he conducted a series of meetings to where he preached the Lord, and people got saved, healed, and delivered. And the wife was full of desperation during this meeting to believe that her husband was going to get Saved. Well, those meetings came to an end, and her husband never got saved. She, uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth goes home, Goes to their home. He packs up his suitcase, and he gets ready to leave. He walks out the front door and starts to walk down the street to meet his driver. And the woman left the home and began to chase Brother Wigglesworth down the street and said, Brother Wigglesworth, please come back to my home. Lay hands on my husband. Pray for him and lead him to Jesus. Smith Wigglesworth didn't have the time because he was making another engagement to preach another service. He turned and looked at the lady and all he said to her was, don't change your sheets. She went home and didn't change her sheets and her and her husband laid down to go to bed that night And in the middle of the night, her husband started to have a terror dream, a nightmare where he stood before God and God said to him, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. And in his dream, he was sent to the damned and the doomed, the smoke filled quarters of hell where he could literally, he said, feel the flames burning on his body. He woke up in the middle of the night in a panic, threw himself on the ground and cried out to Jesus for salvation, for mercy and for grace. What had happened was, was the presence of God that was on Smith Wigglesworth transferred to the sheets, then transferred to the husband, and the husband got radically saved and delivered because of the anointing or the oil or the presence of God that was upon him. Now, you may say, Pastor, that sounds crazy. I'm going to need some biblical references upon this because you're talking crazy. This is a man. I'm so glad that you asked. Look at your neighbor and say, you're so observant today. Okay, 2 Kings chapter number 13. There's this guy by the name of Elisha. Elisha had died and they put his body in a grave. He was down in a tomb. And years later, there was a war that broke out and one of the soldiers died. So the soldier's buddy took their friend and they put him in the tomb of Elijah. And as soon as the corpse of this dead soldier touched the bones of Elisha, the Bible said his spirit came back inside of him and he revived because the presence of God that was on Elisha transferred to the dead corpse that was upon Elisha. Acts chapter five, verse 15, the Bible said there were many sick people that came into the streets. They were laying them down on beds in the street. And the Bible said that when Peter's shadow touched many of them, they were healed from their sickness and demons were cast out. The presence of God that was on Peter got upon the peoples. What I'm trying to tell you, it's transferable. Look at your neighbors. say, transfer. Acts chapter 19, this is a crazy story. Paul was preaching under a powerful anointing, and the Bible said that they took the aprons and the hankies that had touched his skin, and they sent those to others in the region that were sick and demon-possessed. And as soon as those hankies and aprons touched those people, I'm preaching the Bible, y'all, the Bible said that they were healed of their disease, and and demons were driven out. The, The presence of God that was on Paul transferred to the material, and then the presence of God that was on the material transferred to the people in mark chapter number five there was a woman who was bleeding for 12 long years she had her menstrual cycle every single day for 12 long exhausting years and the bible said that she heard that jesus could heal her and so she pressed through the crowd and she reached up and she touched the hem of his garment and when she did power left jesus and went into her what had happened was is the presence of god that was on jesus transferred to his shirt and then the presence of god that was on his shirt transferred to the woman what i'm trying to tell you is whatever is on you will get on others whatever is on others will get on you look at your neighbor and say transfer so whoever you listen it's in the natural to whoever you spend time with you become like them You pick up their little laugh. You pick up their little smirk. You pick up their little words. You pick up their little tone. You pick up their little vibe. You pick up their sayings. When you get around them, you start dressing like them. You start believing like them. You start eating like them. You start looking like them. You start talking like them. And some people even start walking like them. It's called transfer or impartation. And this is why it's so important. If you don't want to be in spiritual poverty, if you don't want to be broke as a joke if you want to be wealthy in the presence of god what you spend time with is what you will become this is why it's important to spend time on the daily with our lord and master jesus christ look at your neighbor and say transfer here's what happens when you get alone with god you start acting like him you pick up on his mannerisms you pick up on his character you start looking like him in this planet you start talking like him you start thinking like him come on first john and preach you start walking like jesus jesus said the works that i do you will do greater works because i go to my father but you can't do those greater works if you don't spend time with jesus sunday morning is not spending time with jesus spending time with his people you see when you get alone with jesus what what he has will eventually get on you his glory will get on you his power will get on you his presence will get on you the tangible glory of god will be transferred to the humanity of man the tangible oil of god will be tan- will be transferred to the humanity of man the tangible anointing the presence of god almighty will be transferred to your stinking humanity and flesh i don't know about you church i don't want dead stale cold religion i don't know about you church I I don't want a building filled with people that hasn't seen a miracle in decades, that hasn't seen a deliverance in decades. I don't know about you, but I want the glory of God in the church. I want the presence of God in the church. I want the power of God in the church. Is there anybody else in this room that can say, Pastor, I'm tired of being broke as a joke. I want to be rich in his presence. If that's you, jump on your feet and give God three seconds of praise. Now, there are three things. Look at your neighbor say three things. In the Old Testament, there are three main dwelling places of God. There are three main dwelling places of God in the Old Testament. We see the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness. We see the temple of Solomon. And then we see the tent of David. And here in Acts 15, James stands up and he recites the prophet Amos. And he said that tent of David, somebody say, is going to be rebuilt. He did not say the tabernacle of Moses will be rebuilt. He did not say the temple of Solomon will be rebuilt. But he said the tent of David will be rebuilt. And he said, Pastor, why, why does it matter? It matters. Listen, it matters. It really, really matters. The tabernacle in the temple had three courts, had three, three places. You had the outer court. You had the inner court, and you had the holies of holies. The temple, same thing. The tabernacle, same thing, but not David's tent. Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple had what was called a veil. And and the whole idea of the veil was to keep man out of the presence of God, where a priest could go in there by himself. They would tie a cord around his ankle, and if he would die in the presence of God because either the sacrifice wasn't good enough or because the sin in man's life Then he would die in the presence of God and they'd have to drag his dead body out of the holies of holies. There was a massive curtain that separated the inner court from the holies of holies. I want to give you a picture of how big that was. This building is 30 feet tall to that very tip top point right there and 30 feet wide. That's how big this sanctuary is. So the curtain was 30 feet wide and 60 feet tall, which was twice this building and four inches thick. They had to crawl. They couldn't separate. They had to crawl up underneath it. It was so difficult just to get in the presence of God. Moses' tabernacle was pure and primitive. Solomon's temple was a multi-billion-dollar building of beauty. David's tent barely even qualifies in Scripture as a structure. What that means to me is what what we're impressed with. God isn't come on. Uh, David's tent had one part which was a makeshift. Sh- shelter on top of Mount Zion. And there wasn't anything special about it. It didn't have any beautiful walls. It wasn't laced in gold like Solomon's temple. It didn't have any golden chairs. It was a tent, y'all. It was a blue tarp from Home Depot stretched out over some poles. It shielded the sun and the elements from the people. Moses and Solomon, what they built was something of beauty, but what David built was something of presence. See, God desires our passion for him over our palaces that we build for him. This may not be the most beautiful building, but the presence of God's here. I'd rather have a shanty with the presence of God than a multi-billion dollar complex with no oil. See, God wants us to honor his deity over our dignity. And David's tent did just that because David did not have a curtain in his tent. That's why the writer is saying, after this, I will rebuild David's uh, tent. What what is he talking about? He wants to spend, God desires, he desires. That was the whole concept of the tent. So everybody could experience the presence of God. Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's tabernacle, the only one could experience the glory of God. But under the tent of David, everybody could experience the presence of God you see today we cry God give us an encounter but God is saying that's what I'm crying to you give me a man encounter come up here so I can be with you we ask God to manifest himself with us but God is asking us as the sons and daughters of God to manifest ourselves to him I hope this helps you I'm I'm really trying to I should be teaching this more than preaching but I get excited about the presence of God In Moses' temple, Solomon's temple, the people were excluded from God's glory, but not in David's tent. In David's tent, the Bible said 24 hours, seven days a week, the mercy seat was there, the ark was there, and the glory filled the whole tent. Listen, there was people surrounding the tent, couldn't get in the tent, worshiping the Lord 24-7, saying, You are holy. 24-7, David would get up, and he'd look off of his balcony down there, at the tent, and there they were, worshiping the Lord, honoring the Lord. So when James says, hey, remember the tent of David, God is rebuilding that. He wasn't referring to an actual structure or an actual tent or a brick and mortar or blue tarps from Home Depot with tent poles. He was conveying that God is looking for a people that will establish praise and worship on this earth. What did Jesus say? The Father is longing for a people that will worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Spirit's not enough. You can shout, you can dance, you can buck, you can scream, but if there's no oil on it, you will not have the presence of God. That's why there's no presence at Harrowed Stadium. It's the loudest stadium in the world, but just cuz it's a good atmosphere don't mean it's a God atmosphere. God is wanting us to build a temple, a tent, a tabernacle that's got the presence of God in it. Somebody say yes. yes. See, see we, will we build? Will we build? We will be. Then Paul says, "Know you not, you are the So then he breaks it down further. And he says, not only is this the carrier of the glory, you are the tent. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you an honest question, church. When was the last time outside of church you got into the presence of God? I feel like a drug addict for Jesus. Listen, if I go too long without getting in the presence, it makes me feel weird. I start feeling depressed. I start feeling oppressed. I start feeling condemned and guilty and shameful. But when I get to the presence of God, it's like all that stuff disappears. You know why? Because the Bible said where the presence of God is, He's there. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, wait, peace, peace. You see, we preach a lot about anti anxiety and get free from it. But what if we preach, get in the presence of God? Because in His presence, there's fullness. Uh huh. So, so God is desiring us to access His presence. His presence isn't just for Sunday morning, first Wednesdays, discipleship class, prayer meeting on Wednesday night. No, His presence can be experienced in your life daily. Daily. The question comes in how do we access that? How do we access the presence of God daily? Because there is a flow. There is a process to it. Number one, the first, way that, the first thing we have to do is we have to have a radical passion for God. Amen. Yeah. I knew that would go over good. Praise God. We got to have radical passion for God. Yeah. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. Love the Lord your God with what? Oh. Every passion of your heart. Come on in here. Is he your Lord or is he your little Lord? Are we worshiping self or does God get our focus? Because what you talk about is really what you love. How much does God come up in your conversation? Love the Lord your God with all your passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being. And with every thought that is within you, that's why we can come into a corporate setting and people don't worship God because they don't really know him. If you don't worship here, you are not worshiping there. This doesn't mean anything if this isn't changed. If we want to attract the presence of God, we have to, we ha- we have to check in on our passion levels. I want to encourage you today because many of you have fallen out of love with Jesus. I was watching this interview the other day about this couple that were on the brink of divorce and they asked the wife, they said, well, how come come you're wanting a divorce? She said, well, I just fell out of love with him. And the counselor said, how do you do that? How do you fall out of love with him? Did you stop talking to him? Did you stop being intimate with him? Did you stop kissing him? Did you stop being present in the conversation with him? She said yes. And he said, well, then you just got to stir yourself up again to love him again because sometimes it's a decision to get that ball rolling. Jesus said in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father then will love them and we will come to them and what? Make our home with, make our presence with them. You can't have the presence of God if you're being disobedient to His Word. Yeah. And the proof of our passion is found in the level of our obey. Come on in here. Here's the equation. How do we get in the presence of God? Love God, obey God, His presence will make His home with you. That's what Jesus just said. Love God, obey God. And his presence will make its home, his home with you. See, we live in a culture today. We we preach, live how you want to. God still, love. God is love. That's, He's love. That's all we talk about is God is love. God is love. He loves everybody. He loves everybody. That doesn't mean you get access to his presence because love and honor are two different things. Yeah. You can love God and not honor him. Honor is worship. And I can't teach you how to honor. You either do it or you don't. You either want to or don't want to. Yeah. First John chapter number two, verse three through six. Look at your neighbor. Say, here we go. We know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commands. The proof of me following God can be seen on how I obey the word, even the parts that are controversial that the culture is trying to cancel us with. Whoever says, Hey, I know God, but doesn't do what God commands, is a liar. And the truth is not even in that person. People who play church are liars. Uh-huh. We, we can't lift these hands to the Lord on Sunday and put these hands on girls' bodies on Monday. We, we can't burn sage as an offering at our house on Saturday and come up in here and try to give money as an offering on Sunday. We, we, we can't rub crystals on Friday talking about on Sunday, I love you, God, and I live my voice. You're a liar. Come on, you can't have swipe to the left, swipe to the right hookups every other night, come to church with your nice suit and tie, give offerings and act like you're safe. You're a liar. You can't get offended because we say the rainbow is our rainbow as our covenant. We should just defend. Liar! If you've seen Princess Bride, liar, 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 liar. Verse 5. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. My God. This then is how we know that we are in, in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Jesus was not burning sage. He was not creating a cinnamon potion to put on his floor to attract prosperity. It's called witchcraft. He was not giving the usher's attitude when they asked them to scoot over. He wasn't rebellious. Come on, he didn't, he didn't play church. I'm too convicted to play church. Listen, if I was having such another one besides my wife, I would not even try to stand on this platform. I would fear God would strike me dead with lightning. Say what you want to. Oh, God is love. Have you read the Bible? How about Sodom and Gomorrah? Kill the whole town because the wickedness of sin. Well, that's the old covenant. How about Acts chapter 5? Ananiah and Sapphira. Stole the tithing. I don't. I'm not going to get no tithe. I don't believe in all that preach. All he wants is the money. Boom! They drop dead at the altar. On, yes, God is love. Yes. But if you don't obey His word, it's proof you do not follow Him. Yeah. Up in this Independence City, wow. Independent, about to celebrate Independent Day. Y'all been some of y'all been celebrated every day. You're independent of God. I got my own belief system, but I believe God. That doesn't even exist. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're what the Bible calls deceived. This is his standard. This is his culture. Come on, we are not a subculture. We're a counterculture of the world. Come on in here. That's what the world is doing. Oh, y'all, just be kind of cute over here. Just a little subculture of the earth. No, we're not a subculture. We carry the mandate of the kingdom. Yes. I'm trying to teach you how to access the presence of God. Well, some of you can't access it because you're your Lord. you got to take yourself off the throne and obey God with a radical passion. Well, pastor, that's hard to do. I know. I wish we could be perfect. But we can't. Now, now we would be lie if we all said we obey God every time. That would be a lie. You'd be disobeying God again. You liar? <laughs> we're not perfect, but we're striving after Jesus. Amen, any church that doesn't preach pleasing God or having a passion for God and number two, pleasing God, you should not attend that church. This is not a production. This is not a show. Well, Pastor, we have lights and we have smoke. I know we do, but that's not our our goal. Is not to be a show. We we are trying to entertain one guest. It's him. Is he entertained with our worship? How do we access the present? Number two, just elbow your neighbor because some of them are falling asleep. Praise the Lord. Number two. How do we access the presence of God? By pleasing God. Pleasing God attracts him to you. How do we know that? John chapter 8, 29. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Look what Jesus said. For I always do what pleases the Father. If that attracted the Father to the Son, don't you think it would attract the Father to us? John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, who loves God, the one who keeps the word. The one who loves me then will be loved by my father and I too will love them, I like these next five words, and show myself to them. God reveals his presence to those who live a life of radical passion, and number two, live a life that want to please the heart of God. Now, let's be real honest. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to talk right to you, not me. In the daily, in the daily, could we not agree that sometimes we live for ourselves? Us, I, not you, me, us. Do we live a lot of our life that pleases our flesh? And not God's heart. I want to get to the place where it's completely the other way around. That I'm striving to please the heart of the Father, and I take self up off the throne. Number three. Man, I hope this is helping you today. How do we access? Because, you know, we're in that moment today, uh, uh, Benjamin, when we got to that, you are holy, holy. Are you, Lord, Whew. almighty? Look at that right there. That's the presence of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Whew. Worthy. See, i got to be careful because we could just keep on going here. Look, that's the presence of God all over me. How do we get to the point where it's that easy to entertain the presence of God and get in his presence? Radical passion for him. I obey God over anybody. And it's cost me. It, it'll cost you. Being radical for Jesus. Number two, you have to please his heart. You have to do things you don't want to do. You have to to break fellowship with people you don't want to break fellowship with. Talk to me in here. You have to make decisions for the betterment of your relationship with God over everything that you don't want to. If you want that presence, radical passion. Number two, pleasing God. Number three, prayer mixed with worship. Prayer mixed with worship. James 5.16 says this, tremendous prayer is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. What kind of prayer? Passionate and heartfelt. How do we get in the presence of God? Through passionately and heartfeltly, that's not a word, heart through heartfelt prayer, we seek God. Okay, that's the first breakdown of this point, prayer. What is prayer? It's approaching God in an honorable way. Jesus said when you pray, address him as our now, Olivia doesn't come to me and say, what up, B? Because my name's Brian. You know, B isn't Brian. She's like, what up, Brian? How you doing, B? I'd say, girl, did you lose your mind for two minutes? My daughter doesn't walk in. Well, she does, but not in a disrespectful way. She doesn't walk in my room and be like, hey, what's up? Give me, the, give me that remote. I want to watch it. Usually it's like, here, baby, here's a remote. That's usually what that does. As she walks in the room, she's not disrespectful to her parent. She walks in an honorable way to her parents. Here's what I've learned about church people. You can't teach people how to honor. They either have a want to to honor or they're just dishonorable people. And when a person shows you who they are, unless God gets a hold of them, approach God in an honorable fashion in prayer. Prayer is confessing and prayer is asking. What are you talking about? Confessing your sin. If you haven't confessed your pinpointed sin to God, it's not this, Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. He don't want to hear that. He's like, Lord, please forgive me because I smoked that joint two weeks ago. I never asked you to forgive me. Not you and not me. I'm just saying the person watching online. Lord, please forgive me because I did this. Confession of sin. I think we're too much of in a hurry in our culture. And with God, there's no microwave form of this. If you want the presence of God, you have to cultivate this in your life. It's asking forgiveness of sin and asking God to help you forgive those that did you wrong. It's asking God for help. That's what prayer is. God, I can't do this without you. Prayer should always start, though, with worship. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be the name. The word hallowed here in the Greek is the word that means worship with an understanding that God is other. Lord, help me to, help me to teach this like you showed me. See, the majority of people don't worship corporately because the majority of people don't worship privately. We can't force people to give an, exp- an expression of a God they really don't know. We will never enter the manifest presence of God without worship. In the American church, we have taught subliminally uh, that worship is a portion of service. By in which we sing songs. That's what the American church has taught us. The lights go down. Give, give me some pretty sounding chords. The pretty chords go on, and we all get quiet. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Our Jehovah O. Oh, God. Oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. Oh, Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. But you can do all that you want to and not worship. Tempo and strings do not equate worship. (laughs) Because Hollywood means to worship with the revelation that God is other worship can never come from your being if you have never had a revelation of god's holiness and god's set apartness i'm saying something today you're probably going to have to go back and watch us to really get it praise is easy for all of us to do that's why you can praise at the chief stadium because they have a touchdown you see it you can praise god because you got a raise oh i can see it but worship can't be done until you see it in here revelation Praise is what we do for what God has done. Worship is what we do for who he is. Praise says you did. Worship says you are. Praise is a byproduct of sight. Worship is a byproduct of transformation. Praise declares God's greatness. Praise him in the heavenlies. Praise him for his great works. But worship declares God's holiness. Praise comes from what we see. Worship comes from who we know. Who we know. Many can give thanks, but only few can honor God. Now, for me, for me, look at your neighbor say, for pastor. And for you. <laughs> for you to be able to worship God, you must know who he is. Because worship invokes the presence of God. He rides upon it. He sits upon it. He inhabits the praises of his people. He sits, it says, praise sets the throne up for God just to sit. Now, what we have in a lot of churches is self imposed worship. It's becoming a concert. It is becoming a concert. Not here, not here. We already had to talk before church, not here. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, not talking about this church. A lot of churches become a competition on stage who can now sing am I telling the truth MD a lot of churches they have a great show they do what we call praise breaks and not all of them some of them I've been to them their praise break, their praise breaks really become a flesh satisfaction moment not all of them Does our worship entertain you and bring attention to me? Or does our worship entertain God and put our focus on him? Well, pastor, what are you trying to tell me? What I'm trying to tell you is this is no slam to our praise and worship team because they're incredible. Thank God we have such gifted and anointed, talented people. Amen. And humble. Y'all are so humble. But I don't need Minister Drew with me in my back pocket 24-7. I don't need Benjamin with me 24-7 in my back pocket to lead me in worship. I don't need a piano. I don't need a radio. All I need is, you are holy, holy. Are you Lord God almighty? I see you as other and unworthy is the lamb. You are father to the fatherless. Worthy is the lamb. See, it stirs the anointing. It's all over me right now. That's the presence of God. That's all you need is the presence of God. You don't need the hype. We appreciate the hype. We love, we love to shout, dance, buck, because there is a part of that too that breaks the chains of the enemy. But to access his presence, come on in here. It takes your heart. Prayer fervently mixed with worship. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, they, they, they don't know who God is. So I got like, I got like 29 uh, years left. And so um, I'm going to give you seven attributes of God very quickly because you have to know who God is. Because in our generation, all you hear is, God is love. He loves you, brother. We're just supposed to love everybody because God is love, brother. Do you know that's only one of seven attributes of God? The Bible said, and I'm going to go very quickly. The Bible said God is light. In him there is no darkness. If you live in the darkness, you're not in the light. The Bible said God is love. We rely on the love that God has for us. We have great revelation of this in today's church world. But number three, here's something we never hear talked about. When you have the revelation of who he is, that God is full of justice. There will come a reverence to God, a fear, an honor of God. He does no wrong. He is just. Hebrews 32, 3-4. Here's what justice means. He protects the innocent, but he judges the guilty. Only God can judge me. Uh, He's about to come down your avenue for pride. Well, God is love and just. Number four, God is wrath. I never understood this growing up because I heard the preacher say, wrath and fire. That's all they've ever heard. Wrath and fire. All the evangelists, that's all they preach. God's going to get you. Fire. Hell fire. Hell fire. But this word wrath, it's found in Nahum chapter 1, 2. The Lord is filled with wrath. Here's what it means. A precise and controlled response from God to the belittling of his holiness. Whew. Okay, let, let me break that down a little bit further. You cannot belittle the holiness of God and expect his presence to engage you during worship. Okay, let let me, let me park in your front yard. You cannot call something good that God calls evil. You cannot call something evil that God calls good and expect his presence to show up because he is just. I'm gonna leave it alone. Okay. Number five. Who is he? He is mercy. This right here should give us an understanding of why we worship. It means to forgive and withhold the judgment and the penalty deserved. All of us deserve to go to hell forever, but mercy. He's not like you, he's other. Oh, he's not like me. He's other. I'm not very merciful. Can the church say amen? amen. Don't say it too loud. Praise God. Okay. I'm not very merciful. Like, I like things a certain way, and if it gets out that way, I get a rash, and I, I start, you know, I start melting down. Ask my wife. Pray for her. She needs lots of it because she was married to me. Praise God. Okay. But, but, but God God is not like you. He's other. So when we do something dumb, he's not like, dummy. Stupid. Snap their neck like a Slim Jim. No, he's saying, hey, because I'm just, I'm eventually going to judge you, but I really want you to come out of that. Because I'm wrath, you will pay a price for that, but you just, please embrace my mercy. Don't keep running from my mercy. And then the next attribute of God is their seven them in theology. He is Power. Psalm chapter 91, I love this. If you've read Psalm chapter 91, you already know about this verse right here. Here's what it says about his power. Power to rest in his shadow. Power to have refuge. Power to have fortress. Power to save from hell's plots against you. Power from the snares of the devil. Power from deadly pestilence like COVID-19. Power to keep. Power to shelter. Power to shield. Power to cover you. He's full of power. Now, in theology, this word power, here's what it means. Lightning power? I don't want to know what that feels like. Because it's pretty powerful. It means all might in power. I like this right here. So electric that heaven doesn't need a sun or a moon to light its sky. So when you have the revelation of who he is, and God shows you that he's not like us, he's other, he's not a Republican, He's not a Democrat, you silly American. He's not pro American, like some of you think. He's pro kingdom because he is other. He's not pro gay. He is other. He is not pro sex change. He is other. Y'all are really quiet. I can't believe my pastor saying that. Well, somebody needs to say it. He's not pro-kids identifying as felines. He's other. He's not pro-popular in culture. He is other. You can't box him and put him in culture. He's not like us. He is other. If you want to access his presence, there has to be a reverence of worship to the master of the universe that wants to spend time with you. Which brings me to the last point, number four. I hope I'm helping you today, and you can start to help me out, guys. The fourth way we access His presence is by being a pride crusher. Pride crusher. The the point was humility, but I was like, Lord, that's not a P, and I have all these points of P, so how can I have the fourth one? P and a pride crusher. First Timothy five. Five and six, I mean, this is what the Bible says. Be clothed with humility. Not false humility. Not made-up humility. Man, there's such a presence of God here right now. I'm really trying to teach this right, and I hope it's helping you. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe this should have been a video online or something that you can learn, but the presence of God is so thick in here. The The Lord won't manifest himself to you if you're full of arrogance. And we live in a very prideful culture. How many selfies can you take in a day? My God. That's none of my business. <laughs> self, 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 self. Me, 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 me. Me, me, my name is No. Me 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 I know if I was you, I'd want to be me too. Me 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 me. Look at me, 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 look at me. Me 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 me. We worship the creation over the creator. I mean, come on, be honest. We we do. Everyone in this building. Pride. The original sin in heaven was not anything other than pride. The sin in the garden, the origin of sin was really pride. I know more than God. But in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, says this, Be clothed with humanity, for God resists the proud. It's part of his justice. He pulls away from us when we're angry. Is that the Bible? Is that the New Testament? Is this after the death, burial, and resurrection of God? He resists, clams up the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Here's where I'm at in my life with Jesus. It don't take all that. I'm telling you right now, it does not take me preaching to the back wall to get you set free. I'd rather have presence over good preaching. I don't want a bad preacher, though. Don't get me wrong. I better be saying something. But I want there to be something on what I'm saying, yeah. not just up here saying something. Yeah. If you're like me and you want to be a tent, a dwelling place for his holiness, a carrier of his glory, rich in anointing and not broke as a joke, it's going to take radical passion for God. Many of us in church, we stand like this during praise worship. I'm not kidding you. So we have to look at sometimes. I had a guy tell me we had the church when we first started, he said, I'm called to be the youth pastor here. I said, hey man, kids don't even like you. And I'm scared of you. I did, I told him that. I said, okay, you want to be the youth pastor? Here's your first mentor moment. Kids don't like you. And everybody thinks you're about to fight them. Radical passion for God. You know, the spirit of Mikel is in our generation. David was married to a woman, Mikel, and now I don't want you to do this, but David praised the Lord till all of his clothes fell off. I don't understand that, but it's in the Bible. I don't get it. Don't do that. I what, what you do in your own time is between you and Jesus, but not here. That will not glorify the Lord, and our ushers will tackle you. And then elder will cast the devil out of you. Praise God. David is praising with radical passion. And Mikkel says, stop that. You don't need to do all that. You're an embarrassment to our people. He said, watch me, baby. I'm about to become even more undignified than this. It's religion that tells us to shut up and be quiet, but it's radical passion that opens up our mouth and gives God an expression of worship. Live a life that pleases God. Come on in here. There's a presence of God in here so strong. You got to pray and mix it with worship. I do more worship than I do praying. I spend about five minutes of my prayer time in prayer, like asking God for stuff. The rest of it is speaking in tongues, lifting up my hands and worshiping who he is. I'm like, God, here's my list of desires. It doesn't really matter if you do it. Praise God. If you don't, I believe that you're going to. But listen, I love you anyway. I worship you anyway. You are amazing to me. You're a father to the fatherless. You are my provider. You are full of love. You are light. You are justice. You are wrath. But you are mercy. Thank you for didn't kill me in my stupidity. Thank you for you didn't kill me. Lord, when I was in sin, you are full of mercy and grace and truth and power. And then lastly you know it takes humility because our prices don't you lift your hands our prices man these people here are weird same ones will go to the game 300 pound men will paint their whole chest red talking about the church people are weird we don't need to see all that on you brother you got man cleavage you, you know what I'm saying is true. The same guys say nothing at church. And we are the weird ones. Call me weird, man. But I have an understanding of hallowed be thy name.